Hello everybody and welcome to Water or Wine Time with Megan Weaver. I have the handsome and very talented Matthew A. Cherry right here. <laughs> yes, you. It's like, is that me? <laughs> what does the A stand for? Uh, my middle name, uh, Alexander. I had a feeling it was Alexander. And you know what? Guess what my middle name is? What? Just Alexander. a wild guess. Alexander. Alexandra. Dra. Yes, Alexandra. Alexandra. Oh. There we go. Her periscope is the one I just put. Bacon eating Megan. Bacon eating Megan. Yeah, so it's, it's in the, the yeah, it's in on, the little summary yeah, thing. It's on the feed. Yeah. Come on, Chris. Cool. You, you got this. You got this. You got this. Wow, she's beautiful, oh, bro. Thank you. Aww. Thanks. Sweet, sweet. Thanks. Right. Hearts to you guys. Hearts, hearts, hearts. Yeah, send hearts to for her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, hearts are for me, man. You know. Exactly. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it. Right. Uh, just so you guys know, on both Periscopes, obviously people who are watching on your Periscope, I love it, yes, thank you. Sorry, having a, <laughs> having, having a me moment over here. But um, so you guys listening on the podcast and also on my Periscope, Matthew Cherry is a writer, director, and editor, and I think it's very important that you're able to do all these three three things because, you know, when you are directing you know, you you have control over what you're writing. You can't be reading. Are you reading? Oh no, I'm not reading. Okay, I'm, I'm making just, sure he's not reading. I'm, I'm making sure I'm staying in your frame. Okay, got it, got it. Cool, cool, cool. So you guys know there's a series called Almost Thirty that is his baby. I want to say that's your baby because yeah. you yeah. wrote it and you directed it. That's your project. It's a baby. And you have yeah, it's your baby, right? Mm-hmm. You've done music videos with Michelle Williams, Mary Mary, Foreign Exchange. You started a vlog recently. I want to say. Yep. Yeah, pretty recent. Daily vlog. And a daily vlog. Hey, too. And also, you've done The Last Fall, your feature film, and you have your own entertainment, Cherry Entertainment. Yep. So, congrats. And he's staying pretty busy, guys. So, if you're wondering, you know, what he's up to, you're working. You're working. Yeah, trying to do your thing and creating your own stuff. That's important. It's a lot of people get wrapped up in doing other people's things and just saying, hey, I've taken creative liberty and now I am working on oh question is there a website i'll tell you both yeah for my podcast it is meganaweaver.podbeam.com so you can watch this listen to this podcast and past podcasts of other writers directors actors musicians people in the entertainment business they're all going to be on that link so meganaweaver.podbeam.com if you're in the in the entertainment business or you want to know about the entertainment business that is the link for that it's a zoom mic Okay, I I don't know too much about mics. That's, <laughs> no, it's, it's, that's it's not my mic. thing. It's a good mic. It's a mic. You can shoot a movie on that. Yeah, and I think that's why because my fiance has, you know, this is his mic. Yep. I can't take responsibility yep. for this microphone. So thanks, babe, because he'll be hearing this later on when he's <laughs> syncing this up. Yep, yep, yep. And then uh, my website is real simple. It's my name, MatthewHerry.com. So get on it. Got it. And then on your website, what is going to be the information for you so people can know and listening What's the information that's going to be on that? Is it works that you're doing? Or... Yeah, yeah, just just a link to you know all the stuff I've done, you know, contact info, all that. So yeah, got it. And then let's talk about almost thirty. Okay. What is the or the concept, and what made you decide to create almost thirty, and then the story behind that? Well, uh, almost thirty is a web series, and um, you know, it was just it was just like I've noticed when we did it a couple of years ago. I noticed that a lot of the, the black comedy was just kind of like it was either supreme struggle or it was like supreme like balling and you never saw like you know it was like more like and when i say struggle i mean more like a precious like you know hood tale or something mm-hmm. or it was just like super balling like an empire you know like everything is elegant bentley's or whatever and you know our experience in la wasn't wasn't like that you know mm-hmm. i was really cool with uh my boy mike moss um ricky smith 
Cheryl McKinney. And, you know, we all just have like crazy stories about just being in L.A. and just like trying to sneak into a party, showing up to the club and not being able to get inside because there's a list and, you know, you don't know the bouncer. You may know the people inside, but if you're not cool with the bouncer, they ain't going to like, you know, let you in or whatever. And so it was just it really just kind of was born from just kind of documenting the daily L.A. struggle, like but not yeah. like the, you know, like um destitute struggle but just kind of more like okay you know i'm young i'm in la and i'm trying to make it so you know you got a whack car you know you're going out on a date and you you telling the girl to meet you there because you don't want her to see what your what your whack car look like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like, yeah. like all these kind of stories so that's kind of where it's born from and it seems like it's taking a well obviously it's taking the comedic approach from it too oh yeah for sure so obviously when you're in these situations you know you don't want people to feel you know um you know where that came from yeah right. You know, like, oh my gosh, like my life sucks. Right. It's like twisting it around and saying like, okay, let me look at this from a comedic point of view or right. a funny side. So, yeah. So where did almost the, I, the title Almost 30 come from? No, just, you know, I think, I think that, I think 30 is like a, uh, I think 30 years old is like kind of like the, we, we, our tagline for the show is 30 is the new midlife crisis. So, you know, when you're living in a city like LA or New York, where it's kind of more entertainment industry based, like. You know, once you hit your 30s, it's like, you know, in your 20s, it's all about your potential. Like, oh, okay, I'm still struggling, but I, I still got time. Once you hit 30, it's like, all right, like, brother, you 30, you know, you're you, you knocking on 40 now. You got to start kind of getting it together. And so, yeah, almost 30 was just that. It just kind of speaks to uh, approaching, you know, like this this level of, um, you know, responsibility, like kind of encroaching upon you and just like trying to hurry up and get it together mm-hmm. so that you can, uh, you know, prosper. So that's, yeah. yeah and, and you can see it on YouTube. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash cherry entertainment, or just go on YouTube and search almost 30. It'll come right up. We got uh, five episodes in right now, still waiting to try to figure out the schedule to do the rest of them. Got it. And that's also, I have some people um, from Paris that are, or from France, I'm not sure what part of France, but they're watching. And that's something that everybody I feel like can, you know, yeah, bonjour from France. <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> And what uh, is it possible to say? Oh, bonjour. There we go. Bonjour la France. Hopefully <laughs> I said that right. So that's um, the almost 30 is relevant to anyone, not just in LA, not just in the States, but it's worldwide, yeah. you know? These are real life situations where people can relate and, yep. you know, it's not limited. So for you yep. guys watching in France or wherever you're watching or listening to this, it's relevant to you. And these yep. are... You know, it's interesting. You can watch it on YouTube. Yep. It's available for you. It is. Now, Cherry Entertainment. When did you create Cherry Entertainment and decide to say, hey, I want to brand myself, you know? Um, I mean, it was just kind of more like, basically when I had to get a YouTube channel. Like, I, um, yeah, I just, I thought it was a cool name. It was available. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of went with it. But it was like back in 2008, I think it was when I got mm-hmm. my YouTube channel. So, yeah. Been, uh, I mean, and it's not like super official or anything like that. It's not like I have employees like that or I'm, I own like crazy equipment, but you know, definitely try to get it, get it, get it going. Yeah. And I think it's important. Like you said, it was available. So now that you did right. lock it in, right. cause let's say for example, uh, okay, cool. And mm-hmm. someone saying how they like and love oh, Jones yeah. and you know how it's connected to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's important for you to do that because let's say down the road or when you do start to have an empire and you're building it and you're like, dang, I wish I got Cherry Entertainment, right. but now it's available. So lock it in. That's for you guys listening to. Yeah, lock totally. it in now. When when you're creating that YouTube channel, when you're making your brand, find that name, lock it in. Yeah. Now, when you did The Last Fall, how did you feel when you first saw it? Like, this is your baby. Right. And you're like, other people, do you have a screening party or how did that... 
Did you invite friends yeah, over, or yeah. were you just watching it by yourself with everybody else when it came out? Well, no, I mean, when you, you know, I, I mean, I wrote it, I directed it, and I, you know, uh, kind of co-edited it, so, you know, you're involved with it every step of the process, so even when you do screen it for the first time, it's kind of, you know, it's like you've seen it probably a hundred times prior to that, so it probably doesn't have maximum impact, but, um, you know, it was cool, you know, we screened it at South by Southwest, you know, our first time kind of seeing it with the, with the audience was really dope. Um, we also screened it with, um, you know, just like some friends and family, had them come through and check it out. You know, it was cool. It was a cool vibe. The thing about filmmaking, though, that's really interesting is, like, how the the mood and the vibe, like, as a filmmaker, you got to be really conscious of the type of crowd that you have if you're in your film because, like, when we premiered at South by Southwest, you know, like, we in Texas, like, not, it's not, like, super progressive, like, OD progressive or whatever, and so... And it definitely wasn't like crazy diverse. Um, we were one of two black filmmakers in that whole festival, and so you know when we screened, there might have been like three black people in the crowd or whatever. And I don't know, it's just like some of the jokes kind of weren't hitting like how they normally were hitting. And um, yeah, it was just it was just like a weird vibe. Like it kind of had me kind of thinking, like, damn, you know, maybe we messed up or the tone was off. But then we screened it like a couple weeks later at the Atlanta Film Fest, room full of black people. You know, like kind of more of our intended audience and. Um, Man, it was killing. Every joke was killing. Things that weren't even jokes, people were laughing at and just kind of like loving. And, and so it just was crazy how two different screens of the exact same movie can kind of have you feeling like some kind of way about it and have you kind of second guessing yourself. But then when you, you know, you screen it with your intended audience, it's like, oh, wow, it actually works. So, mm -hmm. you know, your audience is very, very, very key. Now, what is the project or the something that you've worked on that you're most proudest of? Do you feel like this is what I've done and I'm, you know? Hmm. Most proud of, I mean, definitely the feature film, um, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, it's, it's just so hard to get a get a movie made nowadays, you know, um, definitely getting a feature done. And, and especially because both of my parents, like, it's crazy, like, you know, both of my parents passed away. My mom passed before I got the movie shot, and then my dad passed. Literally, we were screening our last day of South by Southwest. I'm talking to the head of the film festival, Janet Pearson, literally... We're screening at the biggest theater. It's called, uh, I forget the name of it, but the, the, the hugest theater in South by Southwest with the uh, big marquee. And I'm, she's just about to introduce me. And I get a call from this 312 area code. I'm from Chicago. So I ignore it. Called me like three or four times. And then I, it's, it's this uh, lady that used to, you know, deal with my father. And she just told me that he uh, passed away. Literally, so I literally got the news that my father passed right before I was supposed to introduce our last screening, which was supposed to be like our biggest screening at the festival. And so, like, both, like I wouldn't have been able to get the film done without my mother um, like initially get that going and then just, you know, for it to happen like that for my father, but at least they both saw it. Well, my, my, my dad saw it. My mom never got a chance to see it, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. So definitely the film for sure. Yeah. And sorry to hear about that with your parents, but how is it that, you know, do you think that that pushes you now or how does that, how do you feel with that? Oh, no, Do you I mean, feel like it, you're now doing something with a bigger cause, like knowing that they're looking down on you, like, okay, motivating or driving your driving force increased? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, my my parents, you know, my mom was basically an angel investor, you know. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people ask, like, how did you get a movie finance? And, you know, long story short, we started a little, we did a little, you know, crowdfunding. That was going okay. Somebody, uh, this former NFL player's uh, wife actually uh, found me online, wanted to get involved. But then it was, you know, like the catalyst of my mother passing. Um, and basically, I, that was like the last thing I told her I was going to do. 
So I was able to like use that. Um, so so I, it was very important to me to like actually use that towards getting the film made and kind of doing the best job that I can do with it. And mm. so, um, yeah, so so that, that, that kind of was it. Yeah. Now, who do you want to work with professionally? Um, Either it's, you know, an actor or an actress or a producer. I mean, I, I'm down to rock with anybody. You know, I love I love new people. I love, uh, you know, established folks. You know, you're... I don't know. I mean, like, I'm just down to work with cool people. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think the, 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 the more you live in L.A. and you're in the game, it's like you just want to work around people that you want to be on set with for 14, 16 hours mm-hmm. a day, you know? And you may be amazingly talented, but, you know, if you're a jerk or, or an a-hole, like, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it kind of negates that. And so, you know, I think it's really important that, yeah, you know, it's cool to have aspirations in terms of, like, names and stuff, but... You know, I want to discover some, you know, hot talent, too, and, mm-hmm. and, and I, I look forward to working with them as well, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what about your inspiration for writing? Where do you get your ideas? I know we, ta- you know, talked about almost 30, but where do you get your creative ideas from? Um, just just kind of, you know, just being in tune with the world around me, you know. I, I love, uh, you know, Barry Jenkins. Like, I mean, ba- Barry Jenkins and Ava DuVernay were both very influential for me in terms of, like, writing. Because I never even thought, considered myself as a writer. I, um, you know, I, I kind of wrote out a necessity because I wanted to make a movie and all the scripts I was getting, like people were sending me scripts and I just didn't connect with them. You know, and if mm. you're going to direct something, you have to really connect with them. And like, I just wasn't feeling anything I could connect. And it was crazy because I was back home in Chicago in like 2010. I was kind of, you know, LA was kind of coming at me too fast. Like I wasn't making a lot of money. So I had to kind of like take a step back and move back home for a second. And, um, I went to the Chicago Film Festival, and uh, this woman who I never met before, her name was Ava DuVernay, and she was about to screen her film, I Will Follow. And so I went out there, and I checked it out, and we just, you know, it was cool. Like, we connected. It, it was dope. And, um, you know, I got her contact info, and, uh, you know, I knew I was going to be moving back to L.A. shortly. And so when I did, I looked her up, and, you know, it was cool just kind of seeing, like, her whole process of, like, right when she was getting ready to get a firm going and getting middle of nowhere in theater. I mean, not middle of nowhere. Uh, I will follow into theaters. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of helped her with the social media because I was always kind of savvy with like Twitter and like Instagram and stuff. And, um, and I was, I was with her, the, her opening day of her movie, uh, opening up. And so it was just so very inspiring being with somebody and just seeing kind of like that process from film festival to actual, like an official release. And, you know, she shot her movie with a, you know, a low amount of money. I mean, she said it before in interviews, like 50,000 of her own money that she saved up. And it was just like through that, it was like, wow, okay, this, this, this actually can be done for real. And then back when I was in Chicago, I saw this movie called Medicine for Melancholy mm-hmm. by Barry Jenkins, which mm-hmm. I think is on Netflix now. So check that out if you can. Medicine for Melancholy or just look up Barry Jenkins. But it was a very simple film. Two people fall in love in a day in San Francisco. Super simple concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love that movie. Like it was prior to that movie. I wasn't really into indie film and all that stuff. Like. I was an athlete growing up, you know what I'm saying? Like, I watched commercial movies like Batman and all the other stuff like everybody else. And so, like, that was my first time actually seeing a movie. I was like, wow, this is something that, like, if I had a little bit of money, I could do this too. That was the first time I ever saw a movie, and I was like, that and I will follow back to back. I was like, wow, I I could tell a simple story like Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And so I was just kind of, like, trying to figure out the idea. And it was crazy because Ava actually was the one that kind of suggested it. She was like, dude, you used to play in the NFL, like, why, why are you, like, trying to, like, find some, like, one location story or something, like, crazy like that? You should just tell your own story. And and I never thought, you know, sometimes you're, like, in it and you don't really think, like, your life is interesting enough. But after she said it, I kind of thought about it. I was like, yeah, that, that might be kind of cool. And so that's kind of how it was inspired. 
Now, what I know you were saying you play NFL and you were into sports. When did it click for you to say, I actually want to be in the entertainment business <laughs> and not go that avenue? Let me, with, let me help. Yeah, you're good. Just camera real quick. So keep, keep asking the question, though. Okay, yeah. So when did you do that switch? Um, or when did it like click for you to do entertainment as opposed to sports? Well, it, 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 I would say it clicked for me to do um, entertainment instead of sports really early on. I mean, I, I, you know, I was in the league. I was an undrafted free agent with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, in 2004, and I knew early on, I, I just knew it was like very political, like it's very much based on like how you come into it, you know, if you're a high draft pick, if you're a low draft pick, prime example, I was one of three rookie receivers on the team um, in 04, and one guy was drafted in the first round, his signing bonus was like 10 million, one guy was drafted in the fifth round, his signing bonus was like 250,000, I was an undrafted free agent, I was the highest paid undrafted free agent, my signing bonus was $10,000, which was 60, no, it was like it was 6500 after taxes because I think they took, uh, no, it was 4500 after taxes because they took 65% out of it. So that was my signing bonus compared to all those cats. And so, you know, when you when you invest $10 million into somebody, you know, win, lose, or draw, you got to at least, like, ride it to the wheels fall off. And then somebody like me in my situation, you know, just all the stuff outside of my control had to happen, like somebody getting hurt or, you know, somebody, like, really messing up. And so... You know, when you're when your life isn't in your own hands in that mm-hmm. way, no matter how you perform, you kind of start thinking, okay, I need to get my plan B together, and um, that's when I, you know, I studied radio, TV, broadcast in college, University of Akron, go Zips, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it just I, my rookie year, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna when I retire, I'm gonna move to LA and I'm gonna try it at something in film, I don't know what, but I'm gonna move to LA and try to figure it out. So, mm-hmm. and what made you move out to LA as opposed to like any other city? Um, I don't know, you know, it's just Hollywood, man, you know, like New York is cool and all, but it's not fully immersed in Hollywood. Like I, um, like I said, I, you know, went to school in Akron, so it's real close to Cleveland and I used to really like work in a radio station out there. Mm-hmm. And when, when I was with the Bengals in 05, I had some downtime and I came out here for the BT awards. That was my first time ever being in LA and I just loved it. It was palm trees, production everywhere, mm-hmm. sets everywhere. I was like, yeah, this is where I need to be. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even a question. Yeah, and I know you were talking a little bit about the other films, too, that, you know, you were drawn into. What are some of your favorite films? Favorite films and favorite TV shows? Well, my favorite um, independent film prior to seeing, like, Medicine of Melancholy and, and, you know, and Ava's movie, even before knowing what indie film was, Had Plenty. Mm. Had Plenty is the most random movie you probably ever hear somebody say, but (laughs) Had Plenty changed my life. Like, that movie was so bomb to me. Like, I could, I didn't, I wasn't really familiar with indie film, but I saw that it felt like it was kind of probably low budget, but it was just was a dope story to me. Like, I really loved how this dude kind of pulled it all together. Uh, I actually worked with Robin Lee, which is mm-hmm. crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember being in high school watching that movie. And it, to work with her, you know, however many years later was crazy. But, um, no, I have plenty, definitely, on in terms of, like, indie movies. Uh-huh. Love 40, baby. Hill Harper, I see you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, if I were to say TV shows, I mean, all the, all the classics, you know? I mean, Fresh Prince, Martin... Uh, a different world. I don't think we can say Cosby Show anymore right now. Uh, so we just gonna say a different world. That'll cover. I mean, if Cosby, is, <laughs> it still is a good show, regardless on yeah, yeah. his stuff that he's done, his personal <laughs> character. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a good show. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. But you know, you know? we're we not gonna say that one though, for, for you know, for 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 safety reasons. But for um, safety reasons. <laughs> but you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, living single. I mean, all the black shows, girlfriends, which I had the, had the uh, you know the honor of uh, being a set PA on. So yeah, it was, it was all the black classics. You know, I love them. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, two two seven. Good times. All the classics. Oh, and I, something just triggered too. Now you've done music videos too. Yeah. And how did you get into that? Oh man, my music video story is crazy. So I'll try to make it short as I yeah. can. So I was a, um, I was a set PA on girlfriend. I mean, I'm sorry on heroes. Mm-hmm. And so heroes was a huge show, you know, man, probably like five or $6 million per episode. And it was crazy. So, you know, I noticed that we, we work crazy long hours, like, like four, 14 to 16 hour days every day. But we didn't work on weekends, and I noticed that we had equipment kind of laying around on the weekends. I was like, and I was cool. I was a set PA. I was cool with all the uh, people on the uh, set, like all the grips and the um, electricians and everything. And so I knew I kind of wanted to start getting into directing. And so I, I just went up to them straight up. I was like, yo, I know we don't shoot on weekends. We literally have millions of dollars worth of equipment just chilling here. Like, if I was able to set up a shoot, would y'all mind if I, like, borrowed a light or two as long as I put it back? And a lot of them were like, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, as long as you, but if you get caught, it wasn't me, whatever. So now I had access to equipment. And I think that's the thing where film school is great because if you do go to film school, you do have access to equipment. And so me not going to film school, I didn't have that access, nor did I have the money to buy my own. So I needed to find equipment. So now I had my equipment locked in. I used MySpace. I used social media. I was always using social media. Like Mm. I got on MySpace and what I did was I, like I said, I worked in radio in Akron. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was very familiar with like Billboard and how all the charts worked. And so I knew every week the new charts would come out and they would say what the new songs and the new artists were. And what I did was I uh, studied the charts. I was like, okay, every week, urban R- like R&B, like that was kind of m- more my vibe. And I studied the charts and I saw who was charting, who had new songs. And now I'll go on YouTube and be like, okay, who, who charted who doesn't have a video on YouTube right now? The ones that didn't, I made a mental note, listened to their song a thousand times, and I uh, wrote a treatment for their song kind of on spec, like with no connection to them or anything, or the treatment. And then I'd get on MySpace, try to find whatever page I felt like was the closest one to them, because this was back in like 08, 09, so this was before verified accounts on Twitter. You know, who the hell was running what pages? Mm -hmm. And so I just like would blindly just send these messages to like all these different artists after I wrote a treatment for them. And I'd be like, yo, I know you don't know me from a can of paint, but, you know, I'm an aspiring filmmaker and music video director. I heard your song. I think it's incredible. This is a concept for it. If you can get to L.A., it won't cost you anything. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll be awesome if you could, uh, you know, if we can collab on this thing. And so what happened was they, um, you know, I, I probably did 100 treatments. 100 people, like, ignored me. No response. But I, mm-hmm. I just kept at it. You know, I was determined to try to figure something out to get that first credit. And so... Literally, probably the hundred and like I think it was a hundred and seven or hundred eighth treatment <laughs> that I wrote. Um, this artist reached out to me. Her name was Terry Dexter, who I think you guys mm-hmm. may have heard or been familiar yeah. with back in the day. She um kind of responded and she was cool and she was down. And you know, months were kind of going by. She, I could tell she was a little hesitant to kind of work with somebody new. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Yo, you know, the season about to wrap up. We got to figure it out. And so she took a chance. We shot it. You know, it came out cool. I'll never forget this. The very first video I did, I put a Matthew Cherry film on it. I don't know why I just put that on there because, like, Mm -hmm. I'd I'd see some directors doing that Mm -hmm. and saying, like, directed by, but I always wanted to make sure that all my things came across like short films. And so I just branded it a Matthew A. Cherry film, my very first video. 
And so from that video, I, I you know, it came out, it was cool. And then I um, did it again. But this time, instead of saying I'm an aspiring music video director, now this is something that I shot. And so it just kind of helped me a little bit more. And then I ended up uh, connecting with Kindred the Family Soul kind of like shortly thereafter. And they were just super cool, worked their own social media, you know, which was rare back then. And, um, you know, they were kind of like upset, not upset, but just they had like a situation going with their label where they didn't shoot, mm-hmm. a, shoot a video for them. And so, you know, reached out to them on MySpace and they were down and we shot that video. And then they ended up kind of connecting me with just all kind of artists like Jasmine Sullivan, Anthony Hamilton, um, Marsha Ambrosius. Like they were super cool. Like they, they definitely connected me because they're all part of that whole Philly kind of Jill Scott, mm-hmm. like kind of music soul child vibe. And, and they had all the connects. And so they, they, they definitely put me on. That's how I was able to work with Jasmine Sullivan. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. So do you feel like, you know, you're more connected to doing music videos or a feature film or a series? I mean, I want to do it all, you know? I mean, right now I'm trying to really get into TV. So Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm focusing on right this second. But I always want to do videos. You know, Mm -hmm. I love putting visuals to music. You know, music is so, especially R&B, it's so about love and relationships and just, Mm -hmm. you know, just life, you know? And I love putting uh, visuals to to, to uh, songs, and so I always want to do that. Uh, movies, you know, movies are just easier to get made as opposed to TV series because, like, if you find the money, you're in the game. You know what I mean? With a TV show, you got to, like, go through a lot of different channels, and it takes a lot more kind of yes people in order to kind of get it on. But a movie, if you have the money, shoot, you can shoot a movie tomorrow. That's very You true. know what I mean? So um, so I think movies will always be there because it's just something that, you know, you can, you can always kind of have access to, but... Uh, yeah, TV is definitely the highest priority right now. And, and then web series, too. Like, web series, I want to do commercials eventually, documentaries. Like, I don't want to limit myself to anything. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do it all. That's good. So what do you have, okay, for going back to Almost 30, because that's obviously a series, right. is there an end goal? Do you have, you know, you know, aiming for having it as a TV series, or are you good having it as a web series? Um, I mean, I think whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? I, I would love for it to go further, but, you know, I'm, I'm very content with it being online. Um, the reason why I even kind of started vlogging daily now is just to kind of build up the online, um, kind of component in the, in the audience. Like, I think, I think where the game is right now is like, you really have to be self-sufficient and you want to be like your, uh, your own self-sustaining ecosystem. You know what I mean? You don't want to, anytime you have to like go to somebody else for them to give you the green light or for you to get on, like, you're always going to be, even with auditioning, you know what I'm saying? Like you go to all these auditions, but the casting director, isn't feeling you if the director isn't feeling you you're not going to work but if you're able to put yourself in a position to where you can kind of create your own work and your own content then you know you're all good and so what i really want to do and the main reason why i started vlogging is just to kind of build up my own audience so that i can Mm -hmm. just go direct to the audience and if somebody wants to rock with me cool and if not then whatever you know i mean i could just go direct to the fans you know if i have a million people that rock with me or a hundred thousand. And then that gives me more leverage when I do go in there and try to sell a show or try to sell a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's what it's about right now. You know, it's not about trying to get green light. I think we got to start green lighting ourselves. I like that. I like that. Very true. Now, when you're not creating your, you know, you're writing or you're directing something, what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, What's you just chilling on an off day, laid back, um, you know, I, I, I love social media, man. I'm on there. You know, I, I love reading the gossip and, you know, the memes. And I don't, I don't know. It's just like I've, ever since I started doing Almost 30, like I've kind of have been feeling more comfortable within just like the whole comedy space. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've I just been embracing it. You know what I mean? I always try to like say something funny on social media or like 
funny reaction pics or um, you know, like social media entertains me, man. I'll be YouTube, I'll be on Twitter laughing like I'm watching a TV show. Sometimes y'all are so crazy. They be saying so much funny stuff, and I mean they're they're more talented than a lot of people that write comedy in Hollywood. Honestly, like they be saying some of the most innovative. Mm-hmm. Stuff so you know definitely social media and then just watching TV you know watching TVs and movies you know I, I watch I go to the movies two three times a week. Damn, yeah. well you have to I feel like you yeah. have to study what you're doing so I think it's important you know for you to watch movies for right. you to watch TV shows if you're in this business right. you know you need to know what business you're in right. so who are you you know competing with in a right. sense or who are you going to be working with. Right. Now I know you were saying like people on Twitter and people <laughs> on social media just have you entertained. Do you, mm-hmm. like, want to reach out, like, oh, I want to work with that person? Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely. Um, again, I think the way the game is right now is is look at these dudes on Vine. You know, they've created, mm-hmm. they got, I seen somebody the other day, this dude had, like, 9 million followers just on Vine. Do you know how powerful that is? 9 million! <laughs> like, 9 million! No, I mean, and the craziest part about it, this whole thing, like, let me give you perspective on this, so. Random Vine dude from, like, Ohio somewhere. Nine million followers, right? You have a Megan Good or a Nicole Bahari or a, or a, shoot, I don't know, a Vanessa Bell Calloway or just whoever. Like, somebody that has, like, a, a name that has done a lot of work. There's Shamar Moore. And they may have only 20,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Or they may not even have, you know, a thousand. You know what I'm saying? It's just, like, the game, the ecosystem is so crazy. And, like, if you get your numbers up, you could really leverage it. Like I'm, I've been seeing a lot of people like getting on, like just by having a following, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's kind of what it's about, you know, but definitely I always see people online. I'm like, yo, I definitely want to rock with them. Cause you kind of know who, like the great thing about Vine is like, you see who's next and people are mm-hmm. constantly practicing and they're constantly working on their craft. And so, yeah, man, there are a lot of people that I want to rock with, but it's just, you know, it's gotta be the right situation. Of course. How important do you feel like it is for that branding, for that social media you know, for you to build that fan base for people who aren't, you know, the 9 million followers right. or on Vine, but they're in this business and they want to make themselves grow. How important do you think that is? I think it's extremely important, you know I mean? Because you got to start somewhere. You're not going to just come out the gate with millions of followers, you know what I mean? I think you got to... It's not even just about Vine. Cause I see Carlos kind of talking about mm-hmm. the Vine train. It's not even about Vine. It's just about being engaging. Whatever's the most natural platform, you know, some people are crazy on Tumblr. I, I know people that got millions of followers on Tumblr which is random or Pinterest. Like I know Mm -hmm. people that kill it on Pinterest. I know people that kill it on Periscope. I mean, there's so many different social medias out there. You just got to kind of find the ones that are kind of more your thing and just kind of work it like that. But, um, you know, and some people it's just organic. Like some people don't mind being in front of the camera. Some people are super shy Mm -hmm. that you'll never catch them, you know, Mm -hmm. on Snapchat kind of looking at themselves, you know what I mean? And so you just got to find out what works best for you and just kind of embrace it. Mm -hmm. Now, did you always know, like, what did you want to be when as a kid? Well, I was always an athlete, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I always knew I was going to do something in, in athletics, whether it be baseball or football, because mm-hmm. I played both since I was, like, five years old, so. Got yeah. it. Now, just a random question, just for the fun of it. If you had a superpower, <laughs> what would it be and why? If I had a superpower, I mean, I, I think flying, you know, you got to be able to travel. Any, mm-hmm. Anything that, that lets you, uh, you know, kind of travel and see the world more, mm-hmm. that, that's what I would want. I, especially that's good in L.A., because yeah. you can fly, you can beat traffic, yeah. you know, 405, mm-hmm. 101, 110. Yeah, that's good. Go it's not Vegas. a bad one. Yeah. That's true. You can't mm-hmm. go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. But you went to Vegas recently, right? Or no? Well, a couple months back. A couple months ago. It was for an award show. Yeah. How was that? Were you nominated? Yeah, we won a video of the year for uh, uh, Say Yes. 
at yes. the uh, Stellar Awards. Okay, yeah. yeah the, the Gospel Music Awards. Okay. Uh, Heroes should have had you prepare for that question. Yeah, no, they did. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw all the different uh, superpowers and heroes. <laughs> mm, that's true, yeah, because yeah. they have all different kind of crowds. Like, oh, yeah. thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. It. So how was that? I know, you know, as a PA, it's a different, you know, aspect than you having directing right. and writing and producing, but you're working on these uh, different types of shows, like big shows. Right. How was that? Did you start seeping and were you paying attention? What did you get from out of those shows that you worked on, like Heroes, Girlfriends? Well, here's the thing. So let me start. Let me take a couple steps back. Yeah. So when I first, so like I said, I was playing ball. I was in NFL and I knew I wanted to work in L.A., but I had no connects. I literally knew nobody in L.A. I had no, I had minus zero connects. I met somebody that connected me with somebody else who they knew was like working in production in L.A., and they were like, yo, I went through this program. It's called Streetlights. They train you. They um, And they help get you your first couple jobs as a production assistant. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know anybody. This is perfect. And so I, uh, she was gracious enough to, like, kind of refer me. And the, the name of the company is Streetlights. So the URL is streetlights.org. And basically it was just like it was, this is this nonprofit organization that was started around the time of the L.A. riots. And this woman just worked in production and she just noticed that there were no production assistants of color really on these sets. Mm. It was always just like super white, super male, barely no women, barely no minorities. And so she just kind of had this idea to start this company to kind of help increase diversity behind the scenes in the commercial world. And so she like connected with like Procter and Gamble and all these different uh, companies. And they created this thing called the CDI initiative and it stands for the Commercial Diversity Initiative. And so every commercial that these major corporations do, they're required to hire at least one uh, either woman or minority um, production assistant on their sets. And um, they get and then they hire the, the, the PAs from the nonprofit streetlights. Mm. And so it's like this is, this is like this like filtration system. And so they train them. They teach them how they teach you like the, the lingo, how to get around. Um, this was before like iPhones and stuff. So we were like looking at the Thomas guy trying to figure out the maps, mapquest.com. We were trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. But um, no, so that was cool. And so that's how I got my in as a PA. And so commercials were cool, but it was very like, uh, you know, I don't know. You just, you just never know where the money's going to come in. Like, mm-hmm. you'll, you, you'll be Monday, you have nothing booked, and then you might get like eight jobs. You know what I'm saying? Or you may not get any at all. And so I, um, I was like, this commercial stuff is cool, pays well, but I got to get out of this. I need a consistent check. I need to know every Friday how much I'm going to have to work with so I can play in my life. And so I got into commercials. I mean, into a TV. Mm-hmm. And so I'll tell this story, and I don't know how much time we got, but okay. I, got, I got to tell the story. So this book came out called The Secret back in the day. Like mm-hmm. This is like right around the time when this book, The Secret, came out. This is like 07. And I don't know, for some reason, you know, sometimes you're new to a city. Like, you just Everybody like, knows The Secret. Yeah, you just yeah. like looking for something to believe in. And so in The, in the Secret, it's, it talked about you got to like manifest it yourself. If you want a million dollars, write a check out to yourself, put it in your pocket or whatever. You know what I mean? You got to like act like it's real. And so I got this book. I forget the name of the book, but it was like a book of all the production companies in L.A. Mm-hmm. And so it had like Shonda Rhimes' uh, address in there for, for ABC um, and, her, and a number to the production uh, studio or whatever. I forget the name of this book, but they, they still have it. They do it every year. But it's just a book that has literally every production company in L.A. listed. And so I got this book. I, I, I dropped like 50 bucks. I probably had $60 on me. I, I put 50 towards mm-hmm. this book. And I was like, who are all the black showrunners? I did my research. Black Enterprise recently had came out with an article. They listed everybody. It was like Ali Leroy, because he had everybody had Ace Chris. There was uh, Shonda Rhimes. There was Mar- Mara Brockakil, and there was uh, maybe one other person. And it was, it was like literally like four people. 
And so I was like, okay, I'm going to write all four of these people and I'm going to just do a shot in the dark. I'm going to write, I'm going to write a letter and passion letter. You know, I'm a former NFL player. I'm out here trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I've been working in commercials, but I really would love to work on a show. Just, just, just went all in. I wrote all three or four of these showrunners. And I just kind of sat back and, you know, continued doing my thing and just kind of, you know, was was kind of waiting to get on. And so I, I didn't think anything was going to come from it. So I'm working on a commercial, right? This is the most random, like, thing that probably has ever happened to me. So working on a commercial on this Nike job, I get a call. She's like, hey, is this Matthew Cherry? I'm like, yeah, this is me. He's like, um, got your number from somebody. Um, have you ever heard of this show called Girlfriends? Like hell yeah, I heard about girlfriends. In yeah. my mind, I'm like, hell yeah, I heard about girlfriends. Like, but you kind you kept it calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah you used to watch that show. And um, she's like, yeah, well, you know, we got your information from somebody, and we're um, about to start hiring um, some some new set PAs, and we wanted to bring you in an interview. And I'm like, oh damn, that's crazy. That's so random. Like, who referred me? She's like, I, I don't remember who. I was like, I don't remember who referred you, but you know, if you want to come in, you know, let me know. I'm like, all right, cool, yeah. So I'm like, I hang up the phone. I'm like, that's so random. Like. And it was like months later, so I forgot all about it. Like, that's so crazy. And so I go in for the interview, and I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm there like, y'all don't understand how much I wanted this job, yo. Cause y'all, like, y'all have no idea. I have never wanted anything more in my entire life. This is my first time actually being on, like, a set and everything. And so mm-hmm. what I did was, like, I'm, I'm just on a lot, like, just geeking out. I'm like, this is crazy. This is, like, where they make Like, this, I'm here. This is where they, like, make the Cosby show. This is where they made a different world. Third Rock from the Sun. Like, you walk on a CBS Raft for a lot. They have the plaques of all the shows mm-hmm. they used to film there. The Bernie Mac show, um, Steve Harvey show, all these just incredible shows that filmed here over the years. Um, yeah, Mike and Molly and uh, a couple other like shows that were, that were shooting there. So I'm just on the set for my interview like, holy crap. Like I, And I took the longest way possible. I'm looking at all the sound stages. It's like, I want to see everything. I want to see everything. So I'm just like, no, this job is mine. I got to get it. I don't care. Whatever, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. So I'm in there on my best behavior, interviewing connecting with him, you know what I'm saying? And it was cool. They had a super low-ass couch. I'm super tall. My knees are, like, over my head and stuff. But, you know, we, it was cool. And so when, when, the, when the interview was over with, like I said, y'all, I really wanted this job. And so I, before I went on the interview, I bought these like, thank-you cards. And so I had the thank-you card, and I wrote, wrote it out right um, after the interview. So I wrote, wrote them out, like, on the side of the, of the production company, um, production office. And so I'm writing these three thank-you cards. And I'm trying to figure out whose car is who. And so after I interviewed, I, I dropped the thank you card on their windshield, just like mm. thanking them for the, you know, for the opportunity to interview and everything. Because like I said, I wanted to stand out. It was mine. I had to have it. And I ended up getting it. But while I was interviewing, I asked them, I was like, yo, who referred me? Nobody knew. To this wow. day, I have no idea who referred me to this job. And it's like the most secret God-esque thing that's ever happened in my life. Like, to this day, I have no idea who gave my information to girlfriends so they can like actually call and get my info. It was it was the craziest situation like ever. To this day, I have no idea, but I ended up getting a job, and um, you know, and then and then from there, it just was on. It was like, you know, as a set PA, my job was to get the cast to the set. It was the everything that was necessary. If I had to grab scripts, take them down uh, from the writer's office. If I had to, um, you know, get cast from the set, get Tracy Ross or you know Golden Brooks, bring them to the set, and it was just dope because like you have Debbie Allen. Coming to direct, Millicent Shelton, Salim mm-hmm. McKeel, Mara Brock McKeel. You know what I'm saying? You're dealing with veterans. And the craziest and dopest part about Girlfriends was that they had two uh, sound stages side by side. Girlfriends mm-hmm. was on stage 20. Uh, girl, uh, the game was on stage 19. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we would be working on both shows a lot of times. Like, 
girlfriends would do two, they would shoot for two weeks and be one week off. And then the game would like kind of delay and then they shoot for two weeks and be one week off. And so when the game was down, girlfriends be able to go and work on, on the game. Mm. And then when the game was down, the girl, the game would be able to come and work on girlfriends. So it was just dope. And then, you know, just seeing all these incredible, just black talent that you grew up watching on TV. And like I said, Debbie Allen's and whatnot. Then I went to work on heroes when girlfriends got canceled and, to see like three African American directors directing during the season that I worked, uh, Anthony Hemingway, Eric Lanaville, and Seath Mann, I was like, "Yo, I, I, this is crazy." I didn't even know brothers. Like, I got girlfriends. I'm like, "This is a black show. Of course, they're gonna have black yeah. directors." But I was like, "Heroes. This shit is like VFX. It's like sci-fi. No way they letting brothers direct on this." And they, and they had three brothers directing, and so it was from that point I was like, "Yeah, I think I want to get into directing." So, mm. sorry for the long answer, no, but I, that was actually the, that was actually the first time I told that story in a minute. Yeah. I, I remember the whole secret thing. That was crazy. No, I think it's good because a lot of people, it's good to know different ways that people get into the business right. or different experiences that they have because obviously your experience and how you got there is completely different than right. the next PA that you work right. with. You know, and opportunities when you present itself. In this business, I always tell people it's not one plus one equals two. Right. It's like one plus one equals eight for you and then <laughs> right. one plus one equals ten for me mm-hmm. and then one plus one equals lamb. And right. you're like, what <laughs> lamb? Yeah, exactly, because right. it's completely you never know how things right. happen, you know, or how right. things are lined up for you. And someone said it earlier, and I believe it too. I really think that it's God, it's a blessing, yeah. and that he manifested it, and that's how it yeah. happened. I so so I think it's a great story, and I hate to wrap this up because I feel like we've, but hopefully we've gotten a lot. Oh, yeah, no, I think we got a lot. A lot of information for people. So, you know, definitely where can people find you outside of Periscope and here and here? Where is your social media, your Instagram, yeah. your Twitter, your Facebook, your website? Let's go back yeah. and hash that out. You know, everything is Matthew A. Cherry. Um, put, put Matthew A. Cherry. Check that out. Um, YouTube is Cherry Entertainment. I'm vlogging every day. I, I started a daily vlog. It's kind of like a reality show kind of thing in a way. If, you, if y'all can see, this is one of my cameras right here I have set up. I was actually filmed. So you can see a part of this interview in tomorrow's vlog. It, it'll be showing what happened yesterday, but tomorrow, if that's not confusing enough for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, so definitely, you know, yeah, Matthew H. Cherry on all of them. The website is MatthewHCherry.com. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's how you can get at me. So, for mine, just so you guys know, obviously, are, if you're on Periscope, it's Bacon Eatin' Megan, and that's my <laughs> Twitter as well. Uh, if you want to hear the uh, how I got that name, I'm going to have you listen to past podcasts because I do say it a couple of times. So I'm going to get you guys to listen to it. Panama. Hey, yes. Panama. Somebody saying what's up from Panama. And someone else said Hashtown Chi-Town. So I guess someone oh, from Chi-Town. 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 There we go. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Uh, so for Periscope or for the podcast, it is MeganAWeaver.podbean. Dot com. My Instagram is Megan, M-E-G-A-N, the letter A, Weaver. And Twitter, I already said that. And I have a Facebook fan page. Because I'm also an actress and I'm in this business as well. So I'm yeah, helping somebody to... said on the feed that they yes. saw you at an audition or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I didn't know they were talking to somebody else. But no. yes, okay. Maybe that was an audition Friday. Oh, yeah. Marianne. So I got to stay out there too, staying busy. So was that Tiffany? Maybe it was Tiffany. I don't, know if, I don't know if Tiffany said it. Somebody said it though. Okay. Well, hey. To go back and watch it. You know, hey, Tiffany, are y'all watching for your <laughs> But hey, girl. You know, keep there. going, keep pushing, keep doing it. So creating stuff. Hopefully, this was informative for you and for those watching on both and listening. Are you on SoundCloud? I'm not on SoundCloud. Sure but, um. That. 
Yeah. You should think about that. I guess so. I didn't. I think of SoundClouds as like for music and stuff, but. Hey, Straight for podcasts there well. we go for podcasts. There we go. So thank you guys for listening and watching and tell your friends and this podcast and every podcast comes out every Monday. Not it's not the same time every Monday, but it will always be on Monday. So Mondays, Mondays, Mondays. You can watch this and listen to it. Tell your friends this Monday. So thanks, guys. All right, guys. Bye. Peace. Peace.